I'm Katie. I'm Ashley. And I'm Audrey. And this is Ambitious Appalachia. I just like the second you say hillbilly days, like the fried food, just the smell is just wafting into my nose. The second I say hillbilly days, I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it until I got into, um, until I got into college, probably. Um, It was just like an inconvenience to my life at that point. Because you do it yeah so in high school it was a cool thing to do right like you skipped school went to hibbly days lived your best life um or the cool thing was like I played softball so it's spring sport so like you'd come in your dirty cleats and your uniform and walk around and you just thought you were the shit okay (laughs) but as I got older and I lived in town it just became an inconvenience to my life (laughs) I've I've never been a fan of the fried food to be honest with you oh, skinny but bitch. <laughs> no no but I love candy and all of that kind of stuff I love candy and chocolate like I've been like that's a, that's a little bit of mine too <laughs> yeah. but I do love the the chicken on a stick but it's from a specific booth and um caramel caramel apples with oh yeah yeah I love that you said it both ways I love that you said it both ways I say both because I say both too always (laughs) they used to have so they used to have these chocolate covered strawberries on a stick and it was at the booth where like there was cheesecake on a stick and like yeah but these (laughs) strawberries I don't know where they got them from I don't know how they kept them so fresh it was the best thing ever and I would like like I dated this guy and he all like he would immediately like go stand in line at that booth for me that's the nicest thing he ever done but he would go stand in line at that booth and like get those for me that's when I was like in high school and stuff yeah it was sweet but I don't I haven't saw them in a while it's it's going to be interesting to see how many booths are there since the pandemic like you know what made it through the pandemic what you know and it's also good it's also going to be like I think it's going to be even better this year than it has been in any years because it provides spaces for these you know these hometown businesses to have a lot of um, consumers and just you know publicity and hopefully really get them back booming because you know a lot of people rely on hillbilly days in this area for you know that free publicity you know just being there and getting your merchandise or your food or whatever out in town you know and all these people from all the counties are coming and they see it and they're going to remember that and you're going to have your card now Facebook is a thing you know so it'll be interesting to see like how that does for people because you guys know the first floor parking garage is always lit like with the homemade stuff yeah that's also, where I'm always trying to go. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Broken Throne Brewing being downtown, that's the first time that there's been like something that like an actual business that people can enjoy on that main drag. And like they've got, don't they have like a rooftop situation? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that'll be that would have been nice to have when we were in college for sure. Girl, we had champs. I know. Well, <laughs> not our senior year champs. 
Champs deserves its own whole episode. It really does. Um, oh my god, it really does. Yeah. I still how so much crazy shit happened in such a small space. Like it was the size of my office that I'm sitting in right now. I'm pretty sure, and all, all the crazy shit happened. I have. So I will say, kudos, big kudos to whoever was managing running it during <laughs> the times that we were there because I don't know how you did it, but kudos <laughs> to you. and it was like um and then I just remember like Hubley days during that time you know when there was champs and bank and stuff it was always like super lit I hated it (laughs) because it like forced me to be out and do stuff and I had wild ass friends I mean I was kind of wild but not and I had I feel like my temper's calm now like it's more calm now but back then it wasn't but I had some wild ass friends and every year during Hibbley days man they all like got a fight or went to jail or like got a PI I'm like we have to stop this nonsense Audrey already knows if a fight breaks out I'm gonna be like you know Katie, the, Katie. Is, like going back into the bushes <laughs> like, I'm like, no. Katie <laughs> just shuts down she melts just melt beside Audrey while she fights <laughs> Girl, my roommate, like, I can't, I don't know if it, I think it was during Hibbley days. I can't really remember, but she had, like, it was at Champs and someone, like, cracked a bottle over her head. And, like, I mean, it was a hot mess. Meanwhile, my ass is asleep at her apartment. And they, like, come and get me. And I'm like, what do you want me to do now? (laughs) It's over. I can't do anything now. Just get in the damn car. (laughs) So, tell us dm us send us a dm on instagram (laughs) if we have any champs listeners let (laughs) us know please also any crazy i will i love to hear yes 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 if you have crazy feel billy day stories or crazy champ stories that are are podcast appropriate (laughs) if it's both have you have either of you ever rode the bull at hibbley days no. yes i knew one of you had i knew it was gonna get a yes from one of you i, could I have rode every ride there ashley at least once in my life i have rode every single ride there so when i was in high school actually since I've been little, my parent, my, my mom and my stepdad and my dad were always like, do not ride the rides at Hibbley Days. They're put up in 30 minutes. And I was like, uh-huh, okay, they don't know what you do when you go down there. Okay. I was like a junior in high school and I was living my best life. She had told me not to ride the rides. And I was like, you dumb lady, I'm riding the rides. So I live my best life throwing my hands up. Woo! Yay, party! Okay. Following Monday. She said, I walked through the house, you know, as a teenager, I was rude as shit. She's like, Ashley. And I was like, what? Uh, She's like, do you ride any rides at Hibbley Days? I was like, oh my God, mother, you're so annoying. No, I did not. Oh God, you're so dumb. (laughs) She said, oh, okay. She's like, grab that newspaper for me. I was on the front page of the newspaper on a damn ride with my hands up. Oh my God. I said, that's not me. That's not me. She's like, yes, it is, you dumbass. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, I got caught. I got caught. At that point, it was just funny. You know, she's like, well, if you 
get killed, you get killed. <laughs> but yeah, that's my probably my favorite Hillbilly Day story is that like I damn sure got caught, man. They did me dirty. News <laughs> Express did me dirty. So I'm over here thinking about how Hillbilly Days, like back when I was like in high school or middle school or younger, compared to like now. I feel like it was like so much more like wild, wild west back then because I remember <laughs> like just a lot of crazy stuff that I remember seeing. Like they had pythons in the middle of the street. I have a picture with a python around my neck. I have two pictures, <laughs> two years in a row at Hillbilly Days with a yellow python around my neck. There's gotta be some like laws against that, right? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. <laughs> like Hillbilly Days, I get kind of overwhelmed because I'm like, I need all, I need it all. I need all your handmade bracelets, purses, sand art. I need it all. <laughs> get you a belt buckle and yeah. get your name printed on a belt buckle. And for those who don't, who like maybe listening and doesn't know what Hibbley Days is, it is a festival here in small town USA, Highville, Kentucky, um, where vendors and like there's a there's a um, carnival and everyone sets up in the city yeah and they call it hillbilly days because well originally people from you know eastern kentucky and appalachian area were referred to as hillbillies so they definitely dress to that occasion (laughs) a lot do you will see a lot of different characters it's put on by the shriners so the festival is entirely to benefit their um hospitals and like initiatives uh which help kids that can't afford surgeries when they have birth defects or um complications that their parents can't afford to pay for so that's the philanthropic side behind it but it's a bunch of uh stuff that you would not think goes along with that (laughs) and let me tell you no one can get me to spend money like the Shriners, man. I know they're so sweet. Help them little babies down there in the hospital. And I'm like, of course, yes, here, it's give me 50 pins. Yes, and all the buttons. <laughs> yeah. It says that each year it brings in over a hundred thousand people from all across the continent. And for I guess perspective, Pike feels what six to ten thousand people year round. Mm-hmm. So. I am. Um, I got excited though when my niece, you know, came and we could take her. Like it's, you know, it's fun for her to see it because I remember being that little and how exciting, you know, Hillbilly Days was. Like it was like better than Christmas. <laughs> yeah, but, kids um, love that. There's yeah. like a little train that drives all the way through, like through a couple of streets and like low key, sometimes I want to get on it, but all those kids are on it. But, uh, yeah that's something that I've always remembered is that whatever is it a train or is it like a I don't know it's I know it's been so it's been since 2019 since we had a hillbilly days oh wow that's right yeah so it's you know it'll be um I, I don't know if I'm gonna attend or not but um it will be interesting to see how it is this year um versus how it's been in the past especially since the pandemic and it'd be interesting I think if it is nice outside it's gonna be popping that's what I think that'd be too (laughs)
my whole apartment is turned upside down it's a mess oh you uh when are you i thought you were moving last weekend this past this weekend weekend, saturday so this saturday yep yep i'm nervous anxious excited um scared happy motivated like all the feelings all the things i'm all the things so we'll see how it goes something that i always like to try to remember is appreciating the moment that you're feeling all the crazy things like yeah like you you obviously you're excited to be in lexington and stuff and that's a new chapter for you and that's growth for you um but this is a part of that chapter too is this the feeling of this uncomfortableness and this just uneasiness because you're growing yeah that's a good way to look at it because instead I've just been like trying to suppress them because I'm like I feel like I can't be productive when I'm having all these like million thoughts but um and it's crazy you know I know these are normal I know this is a normal reaction it's just I swear to god like sometimes I feel like because I went to school and learned all this and like how you know learned all these like different therapy um techniques and being in touch with your emotions and I read so much about it I feel like I'm immune to it when really like no one is and I definitely it's it's easier for me to like coach it and you know teach coping skills and talk about them rather than me to actually do it my damn self <laughs> but I'm, sometimes I'm, that's how it is yeah I know I'm 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 getting it but I've been this has been probably the most organized move ever so I'm super proud about that that's an accomplishment because none of my moves have been organized it always starts that way and you're like okay everything's got a thing and then stuff just starts getting like not even boxed up you're just throwing it throwing (laughs) your car and into the u-haul and you're just like ah as long as it all gets there (laughs) I have, I have gotten everything in a box that's labeled and like, I'm really, I've really worked hard on it. So, um, you know, I've talked about how like, well, if I haven't, I have now, but so we're launching, you know, this Kentucky, uh, program and with a launch means, you know, we're always, um, hiring for our team so I've done a ton of interviews lately and um, it's really my first time being the interviewer and Sean I've really shined a whole new light on the lack of maybe education surrounding interviewing because I'm just it's just so easy for me and some of them to be like, Oh, that's a no. Oh no, that's a no, you know, and it's, and it's quick and it's, and it puts a, you know, it puts a bad taste in my mouth of them when, you know, when their resume and these other things look phenomenal. And it makes me wonder, you know, sometimes that they just not, do they just not know, you know, how to, correctly do an interview or you know some tips and tricks about interviewing or did they not prep well um 
just different things because I mean I just it's unbelievable like how bad some of them have been oh I hear what you're saying because I I work from home with a my partner who also was in a position where he was doing a lot of interviews he's no longer in that position but when the pandemic started I was hearing back-to-back interview after interview and I just remember like you know at the end of the day when we're both done working from home and we converge on the living room him being like I don't remember people ever not having or ever having this these few personal skills he's like it's like everybody has lived their life behind their phone now and so they don't know like the the basics behind interviewing they don't know like the basics of uh, body language like eye contact and handshaking like they don't understand the importance of these little nuances and these things that seem unimportant to them or antiquated and like how they really reflect on whether or not they're a good fit for the company. Um, I don't know. I've, I've just noticed a lot of people reaching out about interviewing and asking questions to prep for an interview, excuse me, but I don't really think it's a magic formula. I think that it's mostly just being prepared and being able to hold a conversation and think on your feet and you have to be able to do all of those things in any professional career. So for me, something that I've always done to kind of quell my interview anxiety is over-prepare. And I do that for everything. I over-prepare for everything. When I was in high school, and I don't know if this is true for you guys, I never had a class or a counselor or a, any kind of course about interviewing. Um, I knew that was something that was going to happen, but there's not really anything in, or there wasn't in my high school education that prepared me for that. Now, I was a communication major in college. So obviously public speaking, interpersonal communication, that's all kind of tied into interviewing. Um, So I had some exposure to it in college, but I mean, is something, is interviewing something that you feel like people struggle with? Do you feel like you get asked about it a lot? Yes, actually it's crazy. I just had a friend um, who was interviewing for a huge promotion um come to me and just kind of asked me you know some just advice surrounding um the interview process and how you know she should prepare and like what you know what questions to prepare for and um I think um I think that's the biggest the biggest worry is what will they ask and will I be prepared to ask you know to answer it um I feel like I, I feel like I don't mind to be interviewed. I actually enjoy talking about myself, (laughs) Um, but um, hence why I did a podcast, but um, I do, I do get nervous surrounding like, what am I going into? Cause you just never know. You never know the personality that's going to be, you know, interviewing you. You never know the environment, the culture, you just don't know. So I think that's where my nerves are surrounding. And I, and I do have a, you know, I had a guy friend, like before I got this job, um, he, he, uh, he interviewed me. Like we practiced, you know, doing an interview, like I over-prepared, you know, but um, yeah. So it's always been a question. I think, I think no one thinks about it until they're getting ready to interview. Like you said, like it, it's not thought about until you're getting ready to interview. I'm like, oh shit, I really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, and part of that's because you work so hard to get the interview that you're just like, oh, I got the interview. And 
you know, you're not thinking about what's next until usually right before. Um, Audrey, do you feel like you were adequately prepared for interviews? I mean, you were a psych major and a, you were a double major, right? Yep. Psych yeah, and psych so obviously like the people skills and you kind of understand like the internal mechanics behind the questions that are being asked, but like, how do you feel like you were prepared for it? Um, honestly, I'm the type of person that I need to, I need to, to have a good preparation beforehand, um, so that I know, you know, at least something of what I'm going to say in an interview, because, um, usually in most interviews, they ask typical questions that they ask in all interviews. Um, and, it's good to have key stories that go along with answers that you respond to these questions with um, that way that you add value and depth to your responses. Um, but something important that I think that we should all just keep in mind is that there's no specific right way in order to prepare for an interview or um, do an interview or anything like that. Um, but these are just things that have helped us um, and that have got us to where we are at and, you know, some things that we have noticed within the interviews that we have done. Yeah, and today I'm going to talk about how I've prepared for interviewing and then um, Ashley's going to dive into uh, the ins and outs of what you should be aware of inside of the interview, during the interview, how to have a successful interview and Audrey will finish up uh, with post-interview and how to leave a good impression afterwards as well. So before we jump into that, into Katie's part, I'll go ahead and say that none of us really know what each other is going to say. So I think that that is a little unique as far as, you know, um, we didn't really prepare to know what each other is going to say. So that leaves a lot of question for each of us. And I, I like that. I don't really like knowing what you guys are gonna say because I like to think on the spot. So I would like the listeners to know that too. <laughs> this is not a scripted podcast, if you can't tell. Um, so I'll start with interview prep. Um, I just know for me personally, the biggest, I guess, interview boot camp or interview like crash course or what I did that prepared me most for interviewing was in college I was the queen candidate for UPIC for Mountain Laurel and that process for the Mountain Laurel Festival for those of you that don't know the Kentucky Mountain Laurel Festival look it up it's a whole thing um <laughs> but that process was it's essentially like pageant interviewing although it's not a pageant exactly I've never done pageants. I was not from that world. Like I was from the athletics world. So that was new to me, but I wanted to, I wanted to do it. I, my friends thought I should do it. I was kind of like encouraged into it. And one, you have to learn a speech. I had a three page front to back speech that I practiced in our bathroom mirror over and over and over again so much that I had those three pages essentially memorized. I could not tell you what they said now. It's somewhere in like my college files, but there's there was also like an interview directly after our speeches and it was a panel interview 
So you're in there with your competition, finding out, you know, they're answering in real time. So not only are you um, trying to make a good impression yourself, but you're also inherently comparing yourself to your competitors while you're competing. So um, I think that that really set me up for success with my next interviews and getting my first few sales jobs. And then after that, you get in a really good flow. Um, what I always do, and this is, this is not internal, this is external. So you're looking for, a, to join a company, um, interviewing internally for a job that you're getting promoted to is something totally different. So we could always talk about that on another podcast. Um, but this is really just for looking to join, um, a company from the outside. I always start by researching the company um, that I'm interviewing for. I, you should have probably, hopefully done that before you applied. Um, you should know a little bit about the company that you want to work for. But this interview was also a chance for you to know if this company is a good fit for you. Because you're going to notice a lot of things about culture and um, work-life balance and expectations from the questions that are asked and the way that they're asked. Um, I always go to Glassdoor. Um, I don't know if either of you have done Glassdoor. It's basically just employee reviews and ratings and sentiments and stories of employees and people, some people that currently work at these companies, some people that no longer work at these companies and they're anonymous. So they're pretty honest reviews about them. And I, it has turned me away from accepting interviews in quite a few situations. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I think Glassdoor is a free service. I'm not 100% sure, um, but it's a great resource if you are on the job hunt. I'm going to um, jump in, Katie, and really quick and say Glassdoor will also show, show you a salary range that actual employees have reported themselves. And then also um, it is free. Um, and I was trying to think, is there anything else? Because I use Glassdoor a lot. I do um, too. But Glassdoor is a super handy tool to use for sure. For my last interview on the company that I interviewed with, um, currently worked for, they had um, people who had interviewed had put like specific interview questions that were asked to them, like wow. on the interview. So I was prepared for like certain interview questions and how that process went. And that yeah. was super helpful. I didn't, I haven't seen that yet. So that I hadn't even thought about that because the employee can't, or the employer can't regulate it. So they can't take down any comments, even if they comment interview questions. That's really cool. Yeah, I can add to that too, Ashley. Um, when I applied to be a flight attendant, I looked at their um, interview. I guess you can rate their interview process for each company. So it tells you like um, how many interviews they went through before they got accepted or um, I don't know, just the interview process length, the questions they ask, uh, all to like the drug screening too. Um, and that's something that's all on Glassdoor. You can download the app and it's all free. But Katie, those are some good pre, um, pre-interview things so far. Let's hear the rest. Um, something that I am trying to do in my job is be more active on LinkedIn. Um, Obviously, all of us use LinkedIn in sales, especially you're stalking people on LinkedIn and LinkedIn Navigator and finding their phone numbers and their emails and tracking them down, all that. But 
I'm not really posting a lot, but something you have to do like two weeks before an interview is make sure your LinkedIn is up to date. Make sure all of your job dates are accurate because from my experience, most, if you are getting interviewed by someone in the C-suite, once you get to that next level of interviews, they are not going to look at your resume. They're going to browse your uh, inst- or not your Instagram, <laughs> they might browse your Instagram, but they're going to look at your LinkedIn profile first and see um, companies you've worked for, um, look at mutual connections, endorse skills. They're going to do all that because it's immediately connected to people they might know if you are from the same industry. And it's a lot easier for them to do when they're on the go. They don't have time to look at PDF resumes all day. So um, make sure that's done. And then, like Ashley said earlier, um, or maybe it was Audrey, I don't know. (laughs) I have the memory of a goldfish, but someone said earlier that uh, most of the time people ask the same questions in every interview, and that's true. They may not sound exactly the same, but they're one form or the other, they're the same question. So what I always do is go to um, whatever industry you're in, and I just Google sales exposition question, interview questions, see what comes up find like a reputable one or like one that you feel like is closely related to your industry. And then um, I just practice those questions. I write out like their essay questions, what my answer would be. And then I'll write them out again and I'll write them out again and I'll say them to myself in the mirror multiple times and then I'll refine them. And if I feel like I can answer these questions well, then I feel more prepared to answer whatever questions they throw at me because they're probably gonna be related or close to related. Um, so I always practice interview questions to the point of almost memorization, which may be too much, um, but you still want to be able to talk on the fly. So that's not to say you should be completely rehearsed. Like you have to be able to think on your feet, um, be yourself and be, you know, confident, but definitely prepare. Um, and then come with your own questions, your own well thought out questions. My go-to in sales interviews is always, um, what commonalities or practices or traits do you see among your top performing salespeople that always gets their attention because they know that you want to know what it takes to be the best in their company, not just what it takes to be a part of their company. Um, And they always really appreciate that. And you'll get some helpful insight if you do get the job. Um, Our top salespeople always do X, Y, Z. They always make X many, you know, calls a week. You usually get answers like that, which is helpful. Oh, something I, I interviewed for some pharma positions a few years back. Um, I didn't end up getting them, but something I took from those interviews was that you come to uh, pharmaceutical sales interviews with essentially a highlight reel book with all of your accomplishments, all of your certificates, basically everything you've ever done that is on paper, sales standings, um, recognition, customer or client emails that mention you, anything that you've ever done print it off, put it in a sheet protector and get it bound at Staples or whatever and come to all of your interviews with that. Because even if you don't mention it at all, when you're leaving and shaking their hand and you leave that on their desk, that's like over the top moment for sure. Like you blew them out of the water that you're leaving them with something to remember you by. So I always get something like that printed at Staples or Office Max or whatever um, and get it bound because it's only, it's only a couple dollars and it goes a really long way for making an impression. And then this is a me thing. I do this every night, but lay out your clothes the night before. <laughs> my partner thinks I'm nuts because I lay out my clothes the night before, but I don't know something about like when you know you have something big going on in the morning and it's like 
it feels like there's so much and you just want to get it get to that thing as quickly as possible and get it over with and have as few obstacles in your way as possible I do everything in my house that I can possibly pre-do in the morning so that everything goes as smooth as possible. And then also the act of doing those things takes your mind off stressing for the interview. So by doing all these things to prepare, or at least for me, and I'm a very anxious person, I'm always going to be like a little bit, like a pinch of worried, even if I over-prepare, just prepare till you feel like you absolutely can't anymore. And then you've done everything you can. Um, so that may, may be a little overkill for some of you, but that's how type A me prepares. Um, so I will say hardest interview I've ever had was for restaurant technology software company that I worked for before this position. Um, we did what was called a restaurant analysis prior to the interview. So this was part of the interview prep. We went to a restaurant, did a SWOT analysis where we described their strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then we made a presentation about um, what product we felt would be a good thing to lead with in a presentation to them and how we would um, recommend, you know, software to this person if they were a prospective client. I will say I have now, ever since then, I do SWOT analysis, SWOT analysis, <laughs> SWOT analyses on myself before every single interview. Um, just to have on paper, okay, my strengths, things I want to brag about because those aren't always easy to come to mind, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. That way you can be really honest with yourself and communicate um, your strengths without having to worry about tripping over the things that you're maybe not so great at because you're already aware of them. Just so everybody knows, Katie is over the top and... <laughs> If I tell Katie, hey, Katie, can I come to your house? She'll clean for two days. And I'm one of the closest people to Katie. And she knows that I know she has dogs, but she just lets me know the dogs are crazy every time I come. So keep in mind, Katie is over the top and always over prepared for everything. So she is an extreme preparer. So she's going to extreme prepare for her interviews. But, but, but that is also why Katie is in the position that she's in again. So, um, so hopefully the rest of you guys aren't as, uh, absolutely unhealthily anxious as me and can just prepare for an interview like a normal person, but <laughs> no, but those are still regardless of the profession or even, you know, the magnitude of how they're taking the, these tips or suggestions that you that works for you um I mean I can relate to all of them you know what I mean it might not be the magnitude of preparation but regardless I'm prepping yeah like almost everything that you said I can relate to so now that we've talked about preparing um Ashley I feel like you're the perfect person to talk about during the interview because your personality is so bubbly and you know you're a social butterfly so I feel like you obviously likely shine in interviews so tell us how I don't know you I guess what are your best practices for while you're in the interview once you get there theoretically there because I guess some of these interviews could be remote I should say yeah so um thank you for that compliment so sweet of you <laughs> um so I am a what one would call a charmer <laughs> um I will in an interview 
I feel my best practices is I pretend to be as confident as I possibly can. Not overly, but confident in this is why you should hire me. And um, because as someone on the opposite side, you know, someone who has been doing the interviews, um, I, I personally like when someone comes in and was like, this is, this is who I am. This is how I am. This is what I got. This is what I'm lacking, but this is why, this is what I'm doing, you know, to uh, make up for that. Um, and it was kind of like the interview that I had for this job. Um, I'm not an LCSW yet. I'm a CSW and, you know, they really kind of want, you know, an LCSW, <laughs> but I was able to say, you know, Hey, I don't have that, but I have this experience and this, and this is what you're looking for. And I feel like this makes up for my, you know, lack of licensure. And I always try to, the best thing that I, I can tell you as in an interview is sell yourself. Like you are, you know, sell yourself. Um, it's the one time probably that whole week of preparation that you're going to hop yourself up and just sell yourself and be confident and take, it's okay to take a pause and be like, that's a good question. Let me, let me think about that. Like, that's perfectly fine. Um, and also like body language is super important. Um, I've seen them roll their eyes at some questions, um, you know, shaking your leg, fiddling with whatever, you know, you, you want to make sure that you keep direct eye contact and you are, you know, you sit up straight and I know these are like small things that you wouldn't think would matter, but they really do. Um, eye contact and definitely good posture. Um, is something that I noticed because it just, it represents confidence. And if you are confident in what you're selling, like me, and like, I feel that, you know, when I'm in the interview, like I'm, I want to show you that I'm confident in what I'm doing. And I think that shows competence and what you're doing as well. You know, that you are being, that you know who you are, you know, what you bring to the table and that you're going to do it. Um, one thing I can say is um, my interviews that I'm doing now are remote. And my interview that I had was remote. I went through four interviews to get to the position that I am in. Um, but uh, all four interviews, it's just so in a remote position, be aware of your damn background story time. Um, so I interviewed for this company as a great, um, the company I work for now, big promotion, big opportunity management, huge. Right. And I'm so nervous, but I'm like, as soon as for me, it's like, as soon as interview happens, I'm like, I got this, but up until that point, I psyched myself out. But so here I am, I'm sitting in this interview and I'm with, like, I interview with the manager the director and the vice president, okay, of this company. All three interviews I do in the same spot. And they're kind of like back to back to back. They did they did me that way. Um <laughs> so here I am sitting and behind I sit at my table. I've got my I mean I'm just like oh I feel like I look on point profesh as shit 
ready to rock and roll. I go through all the interviews. I'm living my best life. I'm like, I nailed that shit. The hiring manager then, you know, reaches out and she's like, they love you. They said the other, you know, people who interviewed don't even compare. They love you. This is great. And I'm like, awesome, awesome, awesome. So I get the job and whatever. Turns out though, the whole time I interviewed, I interviewed behind me was my wine rack with wine and wine glasses. Yep. Yep. Because they called me as soon as like the first day, you know, I'm meeting everyone. They're like, well, you're the girl with the wine glasses. And I'm like, shit, the bed. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> that's what you, that's what you remember about the fuck. Yeah, that's great. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but apparently now, you know, after they were able to look past that, but that could have definitely came across to the wrong person, you know, or not the wrong person, but it came, it could have came off wrong to someone that like, oh, you know, she's unprofessional. She has these wine glasses and, um, you know, this wine behind her and she didn't even think about that. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't even, you know, you're just sitting there nervous as hell. I didn't think, but what was behind me was my first remote interview. And so take my failure here in this, <laughs> in this situation and just be aware of your surroundings and, but that could have really prevented me from getting the job. And, and that was something, you know, upon being hired and just talking to people, they were like, yeah, that was, that was bad, but we kind of knew, you know, Hey, this, this remote life is new for her. She's worked at this position, you know, for so long. I'm super glad they were understanding it's the behavioral health world. We all kind of are, but you know, again, it could have come across to someone, you know, that vice president could have been like, no, like she didn't take the time to, you know, be aware of that. And so, no, we're not going to, you know, does she not detail oriented? And this is a job that requires, you know, someone to be detail oriented. So that was my bad. Now I'm more aware, but this is just some advice to be more aware. You know, if you're doing remote positions of your background and your surrounding and, and, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, during the interview, there's, there's just, it's very, I think it's the most important thing is just to remain confident, just to be confident, use this one hour. If you don't use any other time in your life, if you, you know, a lot of people don't, but use this one hour to just hype yourself up. And my favorite thing is I will ask this question, but my favorite thing is when someone tells me, um, and I kind of learned this and, and part of the hiring team we've incorporated, but, um, during my interview, we were done and I, she said, is there any more questions? And I asked a couple of questions and then she's like, okay, anything else? And I said, well, I do have, you know, something I want to say, um, you know, that you didn't ask me that I think would, that you should know about me. And, um, so now we actually incorporate that question into my, I incorporate that into my interview is, um, what is something I didn't ask you today that you think I would need to know or that you want me to know and um, beat them to that. Like, here's some inside tips, like beat them to that. I say, so you didn't ask me this, but I really think this would be beneficial in you knowing this about me. And this is who I am. And this is what I bring that, you know, wasn't asked, like hop up your accomplishments, hop up who you are, make sure that they, that you leave it there. If you, you know, if they don't ask you, tell them leave when they say do you have any questions or comments or you know how everyone ends it take that moment and utilize it and you know with my job we had a whole hiring training and what's interesting is you know 
I'm also trying to sell this job to you. If you're the best and you're sitting there and you're telling me like, this is who I am. These are my credentials. I'm the best for this job. I want you. I want you on my team if you're the best. I've got to try to sell this job to you as well. So, you know, and although there are way more candidates than there are positions, you still want the best. And if you're sitting there the best, you know, ask those damn questions. Ask questions about the company. Ask questions about, you know, hey, so what is something, you know, like, I think one of the questions I did is, um, how do you measure success around, around a program manager? You know, what would a successful program manager look like to you? And cause I wanted to know if their values aligned with mine. Um, but it's, you know, it's not meant to be, it is an intimidating situation. Um, but also, you know, it's your life too. It's, you know, you need to ask questions about that company, make sure that they are in alignment with what you're wanting to do. And I promise there's other jobs out there. Um, but you, you know, it's for you. You want to take that time and hop yourself up, but also ask questions. And so that's my advice, like hundred percent and don't have wine glasses behind you. <laughs> And, you know, I don't, so I don't get to see, so one thing that I don't get to see is, um, there are, you'll be interviewed by someone else, um, after me. So you'll be uh, interviewed by the director after me. Um, so I don't really get to see a lot of the post interview, um, methods or what's going on, you know, now, or, you know, um, because once I, we have, we use a little, um, uh, we use a company that has like a program to do all our interviews. So I do like a scorecard of the interviewee and put my recommendations and move it on. If it moved on, if I say, I don't think this was one, you know, we, we include that. But after that, I mean, it's kind of done. I make my recommendation right then and there, but it goes further. And there's a hiring team that does the post interview and, you know, what to do. Um, so I don't get to see a lot of that. So I don't know really what that's looking like now, especially in a remote world or what that's, you know, I know I even, I lacked information regarding what to do post interview because you never know like what the right etiquette is or what's going to be needy or, or come off as needy or, you know, things like that. So I think I'm interested to see what Audrey has to say about post interview. Well, Ashley, thanks for giving us a good rundown of how we should be mindful of our environment in uh, (laughs) the virtual interview world. Um, And you had some really good points in there that I also agree with. Um, So, so I was thinking about post-interview and the first thing for me that comes to mind as soon as I think about post-interview, um, I always follow up with an email um, thanking the people who interviewed me for their time and for the opportunity to interview for that position. Um, it doesn't have to be anything long and it doesn't have to ask any questions. It's just thanking the people who gave you the opportunity that took an hour, two hours out of their day to interview you and learn about you. It's just thanking them for that time. Um, so that's something that I always do. Um, and then um, another thing, and I kind of, I 
you mentioned this, Ashley, and I consider it a part of the interview too, but I could also see it like someone seeing it post-interview. But just to reiterate, having those questions, when, when if they ask you, do you have any questions after the interview, have questions when they um, when they ask you that, if they ask you that. More than likely they will, and you should always have questions. Um, and if you need ideas on questions, send us a DM and we'll help you. Um, but other things that I think about is, um, reaching out to people who may have wrote you a letter of recommendation. So there are many, um, jobs that I've applied for that I've had colleagues write a letter of recommendation. Um, and sometimes letter of recommendations are vague and you can use them for multiple jobs, or it's more tailored to the specific job that you're applying for. Um, so usually I like to give the people who are either on my references or my letter of recommendations. Um, I like to give them a heads up, send them a text or give them a quick call. Hey, you're on my reference list or you're on um, my, um, you, I, I, I gave them my uh, letter of recommendation that you wrote me um, so that they actually know what's going on because a lot of times you ask for that a couple of uh, months beforehand and those people actually forgot that they wrote you a letter of recommendation. So give them a heads up, let them know and thank them again for, you know, them taking the time out of their day to uh, speak to someone as a reference or even just writing the letter of recommendation. Um, other things that I think about, I have all this in my notes, so I'm reading it off my notes in my phone. Um, so staying, Katie mentioned this, staying up to date on your LinkedIn um, and staying active. And that goes with social media too. Um, not really goes with it, but um, I've had the opportunity to just be a part of interviews in various different situations and employers look at your social media. I guarantee you everyone looks at your social media. If you are a candidate for a position, your social media is being looked at. Um, and that might not be something that people admit, but it is reality. Uh, more than likely, they are looking at your social media. So if you are applying for jobs or if you are seeking for um, or seeking just a new position with a new company, be aware of just what you're posting on social media. And yes, it is your it is your page and it is your personal life, but sometimes that doesn't matter when it comes to um, trying to win a position over someone that has a likable Facebook compared to a non-likable Facebook. But anyway, so just be mindful and aware of what you post on social media um, in general, but more so if you are seeking a job or applying for jobs. Um, and then like what Katie was saying, making sure that you're staying up to date on LinkedIn. Um, you can find out a lot of information, a lot of people that work for the company that you are applying for on LinkedIn. Um, usually people are um, connected to their actual company's profile. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, but as far as like LinkedIn etiquette, <laughs> um, I personally don't 
connect with people that I don't know. Um, I know that some people do, and I know in the sales world, you know, if, if you potentially would run into a person or if you want to know a person, you will connect with them. Or if you know there's potential business there, you will connect with them. Um, and honestly, that's kind of the same for um, me. If there's potential business or I know that they're within my region or I could potentially serve them or collaborate, then yes, I will add them. Um, but I don't just add anyone on LinkedIn. Um, but Katie, do you have anything to add with that? Um, I think that if you are in sales, there's a really easy way to separate your personal LinkedIn from um, using LinkedIn for like a sales tool. And that's a tool called sales or LinkedIn sales navigator. Um, and it is a specific separate product from LinkedIn, from LinkedIn, I believe. I think you might get access to it if you get premium. Um, I could be wrong about that, but um, basically you get access to all of the information that any employee that is linked to that company's LinkedIn profile. Um, if they have their contact information listed on any LinkedIn affiliate website, then they will list their phone number and email for you. Sometimes I'll connect um, with like CEOs and COOs, depending on if their company is my client. Um, if I'm going to a conference, I'll ahead of time connect with COOs and COOs, but I really do think that that's like specific to, that's specific to sales and who you're interacting with. So like if your interview is with, you know, the head of HR, maybe don't connect with the COO or the CEO on LinkedIn before the interview, because it might just seem weird <laughs> yes thank you great points um and it's different again for every industry I feel like um but just be mindful you know just don't go out on a whim and say YOLO <laughs> because you might not get a job <laughs> post interview Another thing that I think about is self-reflection and um, thinking back on the interview, looking at, you know, the things that you did well in within the interview and the things that you probably could have done better at that way that you can reassess and plan a little bit better for the next um, interview that you have. Um, and then also just revamping your resume if you need to. Um, I will say that I despise <laughs> opening my resume, but I have literally worked on my resume for years on years on years. Um, and it's constantly being edited and I'm constantly changing it. Um, and as far as resumes go, um, this is different again, depending on industry and obviously depending on who is interviewing you. Me personally, I do not do a colorful, fun resume. I am a Times New Roman font, size 12. Um, there's no color. It's very clear, concise, to the point. Do you include your picture? No, I do not. So that is a new thing in resume world is including your picture. I've seen about 15 to 20 
interviews in the past two months with their pictures on them, which is new. I don't bad like stuff it. though. I don't like it. I've heard of <laughs> yeah, I've heard like that. race things about it. Yes. Yeah, yes. I don't like it. And um yeah, yeah. I just was wondering if you all had started putting your picture on your resume. I actually sent my resume. Um I had a friend super cool dude super chill dude he he owns his own business in Lexington he's a um doctor but he helped me he sent my resume off to like one of his friends that that um is like does it you know helps with that as a profession and um she did a like this whole resume for me she gave me two different formats like it was beautiful resume I can't change shit on it now hardly because I don't know how to like edit this wonderful beautiful piece but Audrey even when she sent it back it was very it's nothing no no color very you know lines Times New Roman bullet points it's just it's just neat how you know how it is but it's very just to the point um which was interesting because before that I was one of these people like let me make my name bright and bold and like I didn't know because I was just like I just want to grab your attention but now I'm like, that's, that's not good. <laughs> it's not a good look. Yeah. Um, if, if you're one, if you're wanting, I don't know, I, for me, the way that I see it, if you want to be taken serious, you got to give me a serious resume. Um, and if it's pink and purple or yellow, <laughs> I'm not, I, me personally, you may be really creative, but I, you still might win the interview. You still might win it, but I don't know. I'm just not, I'm me personally. I'm not a fan of the, the crazy or colorful interview or resumes, but that is my post interview tips. Um, and please, I, I know that this is, this is another one other thing that is not post, but we didn't cover it. And I just hope I don't want anyone to ever wear jeans to an interview. Oh my gosh. We didn't Please. talk about dressing professionally. I mean, we've. <sighs> Please don't wear jeans to an interview. You should be where if you were a man and I, or well, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to be so binary. If you dress masculine, then you need to be wearing a collared shirt at the very least. I mean, remote interview, like you just have to look good from like the rib cage up so like yes something with a collar if you are if you dress feminine then a blazer or a button-up shirt I know that those aren't always comfortable um you could also just do a nice blouse like a nice long sleeve blouse and hair simple and clean and minimum jewelry keep it simple clean and dress like you dress for the job you want like if you are applying for that position how do you think that somebody that has that position position dresses dress like that um what might be helpful to google um just type in literally what you are applying for unless it's something like that you would wear scrubs to obviously or i don't yeah. know work attire um and just google what those types of people wear and that way that you have an idea of what to wear you can and, tell I've never been in the medical industry because I'm like, wear what you would wear at your job. And like everybody's showing up in scrubs like, um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not a fan of jeans. Well, and something that I'm having to, 
come to terms with in the tech world is that jeans are totally acceptable in a software company. Like if you work in tech or hospitality, it's totally fine. But like, I don't care if everyone in the C-suite is wearing jeans and golf polos and wearing a freaking suit. That's me, Katie, because everyone wears jeans and yeah, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't wear jeans ever, so it don't really, that don't really make, bother me. But um, I'm a remote world, so like I can do like Monday is kind of like like a super professional day. You know, you just like I normally have like a nice blouse or like a blazer over something. But then like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, V-neck all day because I'm just like on and off camera for a little while, and then Friday we have um. We have our company gear that we're allowed to wear. So we do that. But, and at the hospital, I wore scrubs, maroon scrubs, honey, maroon scrubs. I always keep a um, suit jacket in my office. Like sometimes I'll keep it draped over my chair or whatever. Um, because like, like I've never worn t-shirts or anything, but like if I'm in like um, a V-neck, for example, and I'm working from home, I can just throw that suit jacket on if I have like a more important meeting or if somebody throws a meeting on my calendar. So just that's that's what I do too. I'll just run and throw a blazer on real quick and go with it. But but yeah, those are our interview um, tips that came from our personal experiences and just what we have um, either experienced in interview processes or actually doing interviews ourselves. Um, but 100% guaranteed, foolproof, absolutely. This advice yes. is totally scientifically backed. <laughs> yes. Please keep in mind that these are not for all interview industries or uh, whatever you want to say. Um, but I think that they're all pretty relatable. Katie talked really heavily on being prepared. Um, Ashley talked about really um, being confident and owning who you are and selling yourself to a company because you're, that's actually kind of what you are doing and you are of value. And it is important to realize what you bring and what you can contribute and how you are an asset to this company. Um, and then myself, I've just talked about the things that um, can help you maintain interviewing um, in a proficient way. Um, but I hope that these tips that we had were helpful for someone. Um, if you guys think of anything that we left off that you think is super beneficial, let us know. Send us a DM because we want to know because, I mean, if I can get better at interviewing, I want to be. So um, we would love to be able to share that. And if you would like, we can give you a little shout out too on the next episode and say kind of what, um, what your tip or advice for interviewing would be with your specific industry. Um, so we want to hear your guys' feedback. So if you guys have those suggestions, tips, send us a DM and we would love that. And I think that wraps us up for the fourth episode of Ambitious Appalachia. So um, tune in in two weeks for our next episode where we will have our very first guest who is yet to be announced. Um, so stay tuned for that and make sure you 
like us and follow us and do all the things you're supposed to do on social media and uh, let us know what you think and tell your friends. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I love how you wait for me to do that. <laughs>